Welcome to Talk of the Town, a podcast by the Town FC, where we have candid conversations with athletes, sports influencers, and individuals pushing the game forward. As always, I'm your host, L. Johnson. We're back with season two, and this week we speak with Mario Wimberly, a Minneapolis native, coach, and co-founder of TC Soul Futsal and Soul of the Cities. He walks us through his journey into soccer and how he's using futsal as an entry point to the game for inner city youth. Mario, it's good, man. How you feeling? Pleasure to have you on. How you doing, bro? Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Um, as you know, big fan of everything you're doing. So uh, it's, it's an honor to be on here and chat with you a little bit today. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. So let's get right into it. Um, we'd like to do a little icebreaker game on the show just to kind of help people know a little bit more about the guests. So like, what, what's one interesting fact about yourself that most people wouldn't know? Hmm. That's a good one. Well, one fact, I don't know how interested it'll be. That's up that's up to the listeners, but but one thing that people usually are surprised by is that I'm actually was born in Louisiana because everything mm-hmm. I rep is, is Minneapolis, you know, uh, Mr. Minnesota. And then when I talk to people, they're like, wait, you weren't born in Minnesota? So I came here at an early age. So, you know, um uh, I say born and raised often, but really it's just raised. But um, but yeah, that, I would say that's probably the interesting fact that I can think of off top. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, so you mentioned you were born in Louisiana, grew up in MSP or a Minneapolis area. Um, tell us a little bit more about your background. Like, what's your origin story? Yeah, so just just my story is, um, like I said, born in Louisiana. Um, mom moved to Minneapolis late, late 70s, mid, late 70s, just for, you know, like a lot of Black people moving up to the North for more opportunities. So um, clearly, I'm not from a soccer family. I'm a soccer family now that I created, but parents uh you know nobody in my family knew anything about the game so when we got to Minnesota you know I was exposed to a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have been exposed to living living in Louisiana uh, at that time so you know uh, moved around a bit moved to Minneapolis and then I moved to the suburbs actually and that's where I discovered the game um, a lot of kids playing on the playground so you know I, no, no basketball no football it was just soccer so I was like man let me try this out so I got to playing, man, and uh, I still played football and basketball as well when I went to the city, but started playing the game, man, and just kind of fell in love with it. Um, uh, one of the things is, you know, I was always looking for people in the game who look like me. So I think uh, in the library, one of those second grade or something like that, uh, I think I was about eight, I found a book on Pelé, and I was like, oh, and once I saw that, I said, okay, I can I can do something with this. So, so um, you know, uh, kept playing the game, man. I was playing um, – still playing football and basketball, but, you know, as the kids start getting bigger, man, I was looking around like, hmm, <laughs> I may want to transition a bit. And, uh, you know, that, that, that 86 World Cup came around and uh, I used to stay at home. Uh, I was a latchkey kid, man. That's a, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the phrase, but, but my generation, yeah. you know, the, the, the mom has had to go to work. So soccer really was like uh, a sibling of mine. So, you know, I just sat there that whole summer, 86, watch Maradona, man, watch it, watch the uh, World Cup in Mexico. And, really got into the game and um, just kept playing, man. So I just kept playing, uh, moved back to the city in Minneapolis. And, um, you know, like I said, the, the, the sport in, in Minnesota, really, it wasn't that diverse at the time. You know, we've kind of grown, getting a lot of more like immigrant um, families and different cultures now. But back then, you know, a lot of my early years in soccer, you know, it was just me, you know, in terms of, you know, black kid. Um, so that was tough. They had a, a lot of challenges that came with that. Um, and, you know, we can go into those later if you like, but, but just to keep it progressing, I um, just kept playing, man, got involved with, with a club team, um, kept playing, got better, got, got with a club that really was into development and doing a lot of things outside of the box. So they kind of, um, I would credit them with, with a lot of my early development, started playing ODP. And then from there, you know, I remember saying, I, I want to play this game. You know, back then there was no pro league. So for me, yeah. uh, playing at Howard University, the, the the great Howard University, the historic Howard University, um, and that <laughs> soccer program, that, that was a goal of mine ever since I was in seventh grade. I can remember a time when I had a notepad and I wrote down each year what my goals were in soccer. So, you know, at that time I was playing, um, I think in eighth grade, I played on the sophomore team from my high school. Then I went on to play varsity um, in ninth grade all four years. And, um, you know, ended up, had a pretty pretty good and fun um, high school career, uh, ended that as an All-State player. Uh, so that was fun. And then, you know, I, I uh, connected with Howard. Some other schools I was looking at, but I was really set on Howard. So I was fortunate enough 
to be able to go there and play under um, the legendary coach Tucker and coach Landy, rest in peace to him. Um, and really that just opened my world up coming from my environment. It's kind of like culture shock, really the school and just the program, you know, coming from a situation where, you know, I was the only black kid a lot of the times um, and then getting to Howard and looking around and saying, whoa, yo, my whole team, my whole team is black. A lot of Caribbean players, American players, um, you know, so that was quite the culture shock. And also it was good for me just um, just even in the styles of play, different different ways of seeing the game. So all those experiences have kind of shaped, you know, how I see the game um, and, and how I coach the game, how I, you know, when I'm learning about the game, having an open mind. I think a lot of times in this game, every, you know, people come out and they're, they're the, everybody's pep or they're the guru and you have to do it this way. But I think in our game, it's more about, you know, this is the world's game. So people play it different philosophies, different styles, you know, all over the world. So going to Howard really, um, it really opened my mind up to say, oh, this game can be played a lot of different ways. So, um, yeah, I would say those are the, that's my, you know, my, my soccer story in terms of me as a player and just, you know, being around the game and, and loving the game. So, so uh, you know, it, it's been a big part of my life ever since, you know, the, early 80s mid mid 80s i would say so so uh, i don't date myself but it's been a long time man so um you know the game is something that's definitely a part of part of me and, and my family for sure yeah not for sure um and i want to touch on the you know you say you played at howard and the importance of hbcu soccer like it's it's heavy on the women's side but there's not a whole lot of men's teams so how how um how important do you think it is for hbcu teams to kind of expand into you know more men's soccer programs yeah you know that, that's a great point and a great observation you know when I was um looking for schools I was getting recruited by a lot of schools in my area but you know soccer budgets they're still not like you know football and basketball but back then you know Howard really was recruiting from either the Caribbean or or the um you know the local area so you know I made it a, a point to to reach out to them um at the time there were only two two um, HBCUs on the men's side, and there were none on the women's side that had programs. I think it was Howard and Alabama A&M. So again, uh, I'm glad that we had some, you know, but now in the yeah. game, I've seen on the women's side, it, it's, it's beautiful. Every time I see, you know, I was at Howard when the first year when they played. Um, I, actually, a young lady who is now, um, she's now, um, she was actually working at Howard as the athletic director. She's now at another school she was a player on that team and she came from my high school. I kind of helped her learn about, you know, you can, you can go to HBCU cause we all want to get that experience. Well, not we all, but a lot of us want to get that experience. But if you, yeah. if you play soccer back then, it's like, uh, you know, I still want to play the game, but I think it's so important. Um, you know, I would like to see the men's team have, have just as many as the women's. I'm not even sure what's the number we're up to with the women's, but I, I can see, I think, I know the SWAC, I believe I've seen Southern has a team and a lot of teams in the South and the East, um, you know, but on the men's side, it seems like we're still lagging behind. I would yeah. assume there's resources has something to do with that and Title IX and things like that. Um, I still think we can do a better job. You know, there's so much talent now, so many kids playing, American-born players and otherwise um, who who want to attend the HBCU. I mean, the college game is, 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 is not as... Um, I say now there's more pathways for kids to, to, to play professionally and, you know, the academies and, and things like that. So you, you're not going to get, I mean, it, you know, it, it, it's still enough kids uh, to, to fill, to fill these spots for these teams. So that's, I, you know, I see a lot of things in the works. I know, I know a couple of good people who are doing HBCU, you know, camps and, and trying to yeah. identify players. So it's something that I, you know, I, I'd actually like to be a part of and, and, and try to, you know, see if we can get that, get more teams on the men's side and even still grow the women's game as well. But yeah, they're very important, very important for, for, for kids who want the HBCU experience and still love the game and want to play. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, sh and shout out coach Avery Parker for his HBCU ID camps. Yes, That's sir. The yes, um, sir. He's doing a great job with that. Shout out to him. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and so, and, and also my, my, my old teammate, um, Glenn Goodwine, he's doing, he's doing, um, He's doing some tournaments as well. Um, so, yeah, those two uh, for sure are the ones that I know. But shout out to both of those brothers. No doubt, no doubt. And so you mentioned um, 
Pele and Maradona, the 86 World Cup, kind of being that gateway drug to get you into the game. Um, who are some of your other influences that you, you know, kind of follow growing up, coming up through the game? Uh, Maradona for me, uh, I mean, Pele was the guy because, you know, we kind of, he looked like me. So I'm like, okay. And then, you know, I started learning about Brazil and, uh, you know, I learned a little bit about his Cosmos career when he came over here, which was, you know, at the end of his career, but still, nonetheless, he was, I'm sure the best player in, in the game uh, uh, over here in that league. But uh, Maradona was really the one in 86, you know, um, you know, I just followed him in the 86 and the 90, um, two, two other brothers that were really instrumental for me. And uh, I actually got to meet one of them. And I had, and I told him that he probably thought I was crazy. I was with my son at a tournament and I said, man, it's Des Armstrong. And I ran over there. Yeah. Um, Coach Dez, yeah. 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 So, so the thing about it is when I was coming up, you know, Dez and Jimmy Banks uh, were two were two of the brothers on the, the only brothers on the team. Um, and you know, for me, they were like my Michael Jordan. I mean, you know, Michael Jordan or what two kids, LeBron or whoever. Those are two guys who are really pioneers um, for us old school dudes that, that I really looked up to. That uh, a lot of people outside of um, United States may may never heard of those heard of those guys, but they broke down a lot of barriers in the game. You know, and I kind of read on their stories and kind of some of the things they went through as young players, just, you know, in their own community. Like, you know, I heard all the jokes, man, you playing soccer, man, what the black people don't play soccer, da, 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 da. And I kept playing. And I, I think, you know, I looked Red Dez's story and he, um, he had some of those same things. So I, I had the pleasure of meeting him. And uh, I know Jimmy Banks um, passed away, I think a few years ago, so RIP to him, but his son actually um, plays and he was playing up here in Minnesota. So those are, those are some early ones. And then, um, you know, I start learning about Cruyff and, you know, learning about um, who else was back there in that, um, uh, 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 man, there's so many of them. John Barnes was another one I used to like out of England. Um, um, Romario from Brazil. So, I, you know, once the World Cup came in, and you got to realize also there was no really access, no internet. Um, I couldn't find soccer on TV. I used to watch a lot of indoor soccer. We had a team up here in Minnesota called the Minnesota Strikers. But mm -hmm. my mom used to, uh, I think the tickets was like real affordable, man, like five bucks. So my mom used to, you know, she didn't know what she was looking at, but I, she took me over there, man. And uh, we watched, we watched soccer on the carpet, man. So I really, yeah. I really looked up to a lot of those guys too, who are not, you know, huge international stars, but you know, I had the trading cards and everything. So I could tell you a whole bunch about the MISL. <laughs> dope, 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 for yeah. sure. Um, so what got you into coaching? What motivated you to want to kind of start coaching? Yeah, man. So so actually, um the coaching piece, I never I never set out to be a coach. I don't think a, I don't know if a lot of coaches do. It, it's just something I think that um you kind of come into and then you fall in love with it. I really um like working with young people and that's that's bigger to me than the game. I mean, and the game is huge because that's just a vehicle that I like to use, something that, I, that I'm passionate about, that I know about to work with young people, especially young people in the inner city and, and from, um, you know, from our communities. And, and um, so the way I got started was uh, when I had my son, my son is 15 now. So I already knew, you know, I put a couple size two soccer balls down. I wasn't going to force it on it, but you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a soccer starts at home guy. So mm -hmm. the balls, you know, they were on the floor and I saw him, I think one day I saw him do a little, I was like, oh, we might be on to something. So, so uh, you know, once he started playing, man, and I coached his first rec team, um, my whole thing with that was, which is sometimes can be difficult for parents to, to coach their kids. Uh, I must say, I never had, I never had really any issues. I mean, maybe one or two times when my wife told me, hey, you better chill out. But aside from that, we, we kind of, everything was good. I mean, we, my son and I bonded. A part of our bond is through the game. But, I mean, we're super duper tight anyway, but we, we bond a, a lot around the game. So I, I started coaching him and along with him came friends from the community and all these boys were like, and girls, cause it was mixed team. They were like four, five, maybe four or five. My son was four. The other kids were maybe like five or six. And, you know, um, you know, I kind of been with these kids from rec and then I moved into travel, the local travel club brought the same kids with me. Uh, I don't like to say recruiting, but what I did was mm -hmm. after the rec, I went to the kids' parents and said, listen, you know, your kids seem to be loving the game. They, they, you know, I like this about them or that. And then they, they came with me through, through the, um, 
through the travel program. And we had a pretty good little U10 team around the city that, uh, you know, just teaching them the, 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 the fundamentals uh, of the game, a lot of ball mastery. Um, some things that people may have thought was a little advanced for them, but they picked it up. And, and I think it gave them a good foundation. Um, then those same players um, played futsal with me. And now these players are high school juniors and sophomores. So it's, it's kind of been surreal for me to watch them, all of them, including my kids. Um, and my daughter plays as well, but she's younger than my son. And I coach her in rec as well. Um, go from being five years old to now they're 15 and 16. And, and just watching that, you know, it, it makes me feel old. But at the same time, I'm so proud that they kept playing the game because the, the, a lot of the challenges for me with people is, is we force kids out of the game sometimes just yeah. the grown-ups do just just being you know overbearing and, and worrying about you know winning the, the youth league and, and for me it's all about creating lifelong love for the game so you know guys like yourself or me can sit here at this age and still have that love for the game and give back yeah you may not play pro or college or whatever it is but you still can contribute to the game because you know soccer is its own ecosystem it's I mean, you're a great example of that. I mean, we now it, it's amazing the stuff that, you know, guys like yourself and your team have done, you know, just, just with in on the media space and just digitally, it's, it's everything. Like the culture is there now. You know, I, I was scared to listen to hip hop when I go to my soccer games back in the day, because I was like, man, you know, I'm playing run DNC cats looking at me like, what's wrong with this dude? Now it's yeah. like, you know, it's the culture. So it, it's so yeah. good for me to see as a, as an old head where the game has come in this country especially in the black community. So hats off yeah. to you for that as well. I appreciate it, man. We're just trying to move the culture forward, you know, and Definitely. trying to introduce new audiences to the game. Like you mentioned earlier in the show, um, like the, the thing was like black kids don't play soccer, like black people don't play soccer. And really, I think it's a part of that is like they don't correlate with it. Like there's, there's some economic things that go along with that as well. Um, but then it's also like you don't see a connection or correlation. Um, and so that's a pretty good segue to get into how you started TC Soul Futsal. Um, we had a we had a conversation earlier. You were talking about how futsal is like very similar to streetball, and it's a it's a kind of a gateway into the game. So can you kind of talk about that? Talk about like how you started your um, started your team, and then like how you why you chose futsal over like traditional eleven v eleven. Yeah, for sure, man. So um, like I said, I had this group of kids, and we were all playing the local club. Um, was one of the coaches was from Brazil, or two, two of the guys were from Brazil, and they had they had ran a couple sessions, um, and, and I could just see, you know, the kids loved it. It was fast, um, it was a ton of touches. The kids were small at this time, so you know what I had noticed when I was coaching sometimes in rec is you would get kids that just became if the ball wasn't right in front of them, the field was too big, they would just be disinterested. So mm -hmm. what I noticed with futsal was it was so fast and the space was condensed and kids, I mean, it's probably every couple of seconds, somebody, you're going to touch the ball. So I think the engagement piece was, was big for me. The fun piece, my son, he took to it ASAP. So, so, um, so that was going on. And then, you know, as I started researching, just doing some research on, on futsal, one of my um, old teammates from college, he, he, um, he played professionally and he has a pretty big futsal organization that he runs youth organization. And he was always telling me like, listen, futsal from a development standpoint, it's a must. And I can see exactly what he was talking about. So I just think from a development side, uh, I think every kid should be playing futsal just because, you know, just the touches, the ball mastery, the movement, um, you know, it, it, I could go on and on about that. But what we did was, we just wanted a space for more of our kids to play. So a buddy, a buddy of mine, he and I, we said, hey, look, because, you know, I'm entrepreneur and uh, very entrepreneurial. So we said there were a couple places that were doing it in, in our area. But now mm -hmm. we're talking, this was probably about 2014 or so. So what is that? Not, not, not quite 10 years, but, you know, football has come a long way in my area. And really, I think in the country, in, in the United States in that time so back then there were a couple organizations doing it but we wanted to do our own thing so we he got his son i got my son and those same pretty much core kids mm -hmm. and and we started tc soul we we um you know i, I was self self self-taught I, I got a ton of information i mean clearly i knew soccer and, and there's a lot of crossover but futsal there are some specific futsal things so i wanted to immerse myself in that 
Um, you know, actually I went to Brazil World Cup in 14, my wife and I, and when I was there, you know, I was looking around and I saw the kids playing in the street. I saw kids playing on top of buildings using the um, the clothesline hangers as goals. And I was like, man, this 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 game is really um it's really it's really for the people. The people are yep. playing this game. Whereas here, as you know, uh, soccer has been really introduced as a upper middle class game. And th- when you go other places, you see that that's really not how it is there. So you know. Like you t- so so let me fast forward. So that team we put together, we got in the league, we started doing well, made a little noise, you know, as much noise as kids can make. Like, you know, had a lot of kids just being creative out there. We we weren't doing the rotations or anything like that. Um, at that point, uh, we got into some of that a little bit later, but it was really just like you know, futsal slash street ball, you know, street um, you know, uh, street soccer, like just you know, express yourself. Uh, have fun that those were the core things so we did that and we we went on a little run man we went down to the the national tournament uh nobody knew who we were we just some kids in the black and yellow and the coach with the beard went down to uh kansas we ended up coming in second in in regional um the regional tournament we knocked off a a couple of big big name clubs and i think that kind of kind of shocked everybody uh but we, we had some real talented kids um so and it was having fun so that was the main thing so, so we were doing well. We, we kept running programming. Um, and, you know, one thing that, that I wanted to do is um, the pandemic. This was right now we're getting close to the pandemic time. And, um, you know, I really wanted to make anything that I do affordable because, you know, I came up uh, not a ton of resources. Um, you know, really back then, you know, I had a couple scholarships and, and people that looked out so I could play soccer. Again, soccer has a big accessibility problem in our country. So I take all these things that, that are personal to me and my story, and I want to change them. So TC Soul always has been affordable. We had we had a price uh, for our competitive season. We, we trained once a week because it was hard to get in with the club dominating so much of the kids' schedule. But we trained on a Sunday. We had games. We joined the Hispanic League. And we played in other leagues. Um, we went on tournaments, and we tried to make make that as affordable as we could for kids. Some kids couldn't pay. We was like, pay what you can, um, type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I saw that we could make more of an impact in the community through the game. And this was after George Floyd, which happened in my old neighborhood here in uh, Minneapolis. So when that everything shut down, you know, I just personally, I just said I I have to do more. Uh, I have to do more uh, with the community and more getting more people involved in this game because most of the kids I had were still quote unquote pay to play kids. And I don't have a problem with that, but if we keep the game only for a specific demographic, we never going to, as a country, we never going to push our game to the next level because we don't even know, we haven't seen all the talent. So it doesn't make sense. And and I I don't, I like things that are accessible. So we, we kind of, I would say added on to our mission or shifted our focus. And then we came up with our four core principles of TC Soul, which are fun, of course, accessibility, um, development, and community. So, so we partnered with a um, good relationship with our um, MLS club here, Minnesota mm-hmm. United, and also a very good relationship with our USL2 club, Minneapolis City. So we started doing a lot of community events. Um, like with Minneapolis City, we did a food drive in my old neighborhood. Um, at, uh, uh, a food drive um, uh, for for the unsheltered and, and different things like that. So we kind of just put that all together and said, "This is what TC Soul is going to be about." You know, we're going to be about community first, and then and then from there we start um, running cost free clinics in the um, north side of Minneapolis, which is is where you'll find the, the largest concentration of African Americans um, in North Minneapolis. And that's home to a lot of ballers, um, basketball professionals. A lot of kids from over there went to NBA, NFL, but but soccer hasn't really, in my opinion, soccer has overlooked that area. And and I and I think that's kind of um, structural. Like it, it's um it's kind of systematic. Like the way youth soccer works is that you know it's pay to play. So if they can't get those those numbers of those families to pay, they kind of get lost in the in the sauce, so to speak. So yeah. we, we, we popped up with the help of a lot of great community organizations over there that are really impacting the community and the kids. And they, they knew, they said, hey, soccer, let, let, what can we do? I said, listen, let's not go soccer right away because the big field 
you need the permits for the field. Some some of those areas, in certain areas are challenged with space or challenged with uh, fields that are, you know, would be quality that, you know, mm-hmm. you want to make sure the kids are safe. So I said, listen, you know, I introduced futsal. The kids loved it. Kids never, never, never heard of it. A lot of basketball kids loved it. Fast yeah. pace, very similar is what I'm hearing from them is that you're using your feet. So we had a lot of success with that. We were building, building, and then the pandemic hit. Um, and from there, then, then, then that's when we come with Soul of the City. Um, but, but I'll give it back to you. I'm, I'm going to follow your lead on, on, <laughs> on what's next. But, 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 cause I can, I can talk forever on this stuff. Nah, go ahead and that's that's a great segue to get into Solar Cities and how it started. And you guys also have a, a pretty interesting model that I'll I'll let you explain as well. Surf to play model that I think is really, really dope. And I'll let Appreciate you explain it. that as well. But let's let's get into how, how you started Solar Cities, um, you know, that collaboration and how that kind of got started. Yeah, so so like I said, what we did was the pandemic hit and we were already trying to be, you know, intentional about being more community focused and, and focusing on accessibility and getting kids into the game who had never heard of it. So at this, at this time, after the, um, the, the unrest in, our, in my city, man, um, it really, everybody's spirits were down. It was just like a, it was a sad time, let's be honest. Um, so we really wanted to come back and create something for everybody and bring people together like the beautiful game always does. So um, at the time, one of the other co-founders was a partner at the time. He still works on works works with us on this. You know, we we just were brainstorming and and uh, we threw an event and we had we had kids from everywhere come out to the park one day, and we had the local um, Minneapolis City to USL two club come, and we looked around. It was well attended. Kids from everywhere. We had kids pay to play kids from the suburbs. Then we had kids from the city. You know, and my city is um, has a large East African population, Somali, uh, Ethiopian, and we have a large um, Asian community. Uh, we have we have Hmong, we have um, Karen. So it, it's a lot of a large Hispanic population. So when you take all that, and you got the Americans, you got the black, the white, it really makes for you know a good mix um, if you if you if you know what you're doing. So I said, listen. Let's let's uh let's take this same vibe and let's create a league. What can we do? Can we can we create this opportunity and, and something fun for for different communities to come together and play this futsal game? So we came up with Soul of the City, and um, what it is is it's a it's a serve to play, as you said, a serve to play futsal league, which rivals pay to play. So it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, the, the way we set the model is we partner with local um local community organizations and wherever we do our league and it's in St. Paul, Minnesota now, actually, I think you were able to come check out during all-star where, where we set up. Um, we partner with um, those organizations and find out what are the needs of the community. So uh, we, we have the kids do one hour of service on game day. And, and, and that's on, let's say it's a Saturday. You do, you, you, you do one hour of service and then you play for one hour. And then also we provide a lunch. And this is all done by our corporate sponsors who have been who've been great. Um, we're still building on those, but we've had some pretty pretty uh, amazing corporate sponsorship um, donations, in kind donations. We work with some pretty big brands who see the benefits of investing back in the youth. Um, if you if you just look at you know crime statistics and things like that across the nation, this is any uh, city. Uh, most of the things, the kids, you know, going the wrong way is kids from a certain age, you know, certain age. And that's the age we focus on. So we really do a lot of things with Soul of the Cities and, and working from kids from six all the way to 18. So the way the league is structured, um, it's only a four. It's just for the month of July. The league is mm-hmm. um, we play every week. Um, very competitive. It was very competitive this year. We had eight boys teams, four girls teams. And we had four middle school teams and we had an intramural portion. The intramural is for kids six to 12. These are the kids where we get a lot of new kids from the community who don't have to come and feel like they got to know about the game or they don't have the gear and all this kind of stuff. You come out, it's a great atmosphere. You get on the court. We have um, coaches. They all volunteer their time. I mean, we take care of them with just some nice gifts and things after, but you know, they come out, they do sessions with them, very interactive. Um, they do their one hour of service and then they come back the next week. Then we pivot into the middle school where it's more competitive a bit because there's teams. And then the high school is, is unique because what we've done 
is we've taken inner city schools, primarily from St. Paul, but some Minneapolis as well. And we've now added in teams um, from, from more affluent areas in the, around the city, because we also know there's a big socioeconomic gap in the game. And, you know, taking from my experience, a lot of the people that I've met in the game who've helped me on various things inside the game, I would have never known these guys um, because I was a city kid and they lived in the suburbs, but soccer was the thing that brought us together. So kind of using that philosophy, you know, we have kids now who otherwise they would never meet each other, nor would they have played against each other because the way the leagues are set up, you know, now if you're not in the, you know, the, the alphabet soup of this league and that league, this is the league you can't play. So I, I just say, listen, we got to get back to the essence of the game. Can you ball or can't you? It don't matter where you're from. Let's get to, let's get the matchup set up. So one of the, one of the matchups I was pretty proud about is we have one of our teams. It's, um, it's, a, it's a private school team called Holy Angels. Very good school, very good players. Um, you know, good school, good, good boys over there. And they were in our league this year and they got to play one game against, um, 10,000 Lakes Foundation, which is a Somali organization um, that's doing tremendous things in their community, their direct community in St. Paul. So it was just good for me to look and see these boys competing with each other hard as they can, a lot of skill and talent all over the place. Then when they get off the court, they go and do their one hour of service. So that's really the beauty of it all. You know, we talk about, you know, being inclusive and bring, and what our game means. That's what the game means to me. It doesn't mean the, peop the, the people with the privilege and the resources, they keep getting the opportunities. They get the scholarships. They get to the national team pool. They know this person. So, so we're really trying to fight for those kids who come from where I come from, who parents didn't know nothing about soccer or didn't have the resources, but they, they have a love for the game or they have the talent and they, they want to go further in the game. And even if it's not the game, just to be around some positive mentors, and, and meet new people. And, and like I said, it, it's a lot that goes into the league, but I would say it's the thing that we're most proud of. We're going into our third season this year, full steam ahead. And uh, I'm looking forward to another successful season for sure. No, nah, that's amazing, man. Like, and I, I really, really, really love this serve to play model that you guys came up with. Um, it's actually something like as we were, you know, starting the town FC and thinking about ways to engage and activate the community. Like one of the major reasons why I wanted to, you know, be a part of the team was to be able to introduce more black kids in the Bay Area to the game. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, yep. especially in the inner city in, in Oakland, East Oakland, West Oakland. Yep. And, you know, pay is a major barrier to that. So finding ways to kind of engage those kids, um, make it free for them to play. So like it's a multitude of things like futsal and then um, having having like a serve to play type of model where they're able to play for free but then also give back to their local community. So like in a way it almost like helps them respect their community a lot more yes. and you give it back to those who may be even more or less fortunate than you are. So really, really love all those aspects. I'm going to definitely be tapping in with you um, so, to, you know, it. maybe on some consulting, you know, help yeah. us, help us put, put some of those programs together with the town FC as well. Um, and you also mentioned like the, how, how the community is kind of galvanized around this project that you're doing from corporate sponsors all the way to, you know, even more affluent schools and teams, you know, being engaged and being in, in interacting within the league. Um, what are some other types of impacts that you've seen um, just through your program um, that you've seen your program, like kind of create on the game? So like, how, yeah. has it, has it attracted more kids to the game and who, who wouldn't normally be there? Definitely. I would say primarily I'm seeing that at the younger ages, the intramural and um, you know, that's six to 12 because th that's the age, you know, where, where, where kids, they're, they're really not just saying, I just play one sport. So they're mm -hmm. more willing from what I've seen at that age to give it a try and not worry about, well, if I get there and the kids are better, you know, everyone's kind of at the same level at, at, at that, for the most part, you're going to have some outliers, kids that grew up, it's in their culture and things like that. But I, I've seen a, a, a tremendous amount. And even with the parents, you know, um, I've had, I had parents last year come up to me and just say, just thank you for doing this because, you know, I know nothing about soccer. My son or my daughter has, you know, shown some interest and just to have you out here in, in, in such a diverse staff of coaches, whether that be, you know, got a lot of women, um, young ladies, black, you know, Brazilian, you know, white, whatever, but when they can look out there and see 
um, somebody that looks like them. People don't really, if you haven't been in that position, you don't understand. I, I've been there. That means a lot. When you see it, you can believe it. You know, you can achieve it. So that's key. I've seen that. And, and another thing we're trying to do this year as we expand and scale, we're really now tapping into our corporate sponsorship and our corporate sponsors that we have great relationship with and saying, um, what else can we do that's beyond the game? So, so what we're trying to do with our high school athletes now is to see are their career readiness. Um, can they? Can we? Can we create a thing where the kids can come and shadow for a day as a profession or as an intern? Um, for instance, one of our sponsors, Dogwood Coffee, is a, it's a very good coffee um, um, uh, brand up here in Minnesota. And um, you know, we we just had a meeting with them to see you know someone maybe starts as a barista and they go on to be just work their way up, you know, it, 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 and doing that. So we have that. We have some corporate things. We have another sponsor that is um, a construction company, a, a large national company. And we're always looking to put kids into the trades. College is not going to be for everyone. So we really like to try to do anything we can to benefit the lives and the futures of young people. Uh, like I said, we're using futsal because that's what I know. But mm -hmm. that's just like the entry point. So once we get the companies buy in and understand that these are the families that buy your product. So this is like, you know, paying it forward. You invest in, in the kids and then we can we can have better communities and, and we can get kids. To, you know, some kids, soccer can take them out of generational poverty. And that's mm -hmm. how serious it is. So I tell people it's not fair to hoard all the 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 ECNLs and the, all these certain leagues, not to just call them by any league, because it, it's a lot of kids that, that don't have five to ten thousand dollars to play in the league, and I I'm, I was one of those kids, so I'm gonna always fight for that in the game, always. Um, so so like I said, I'm pretty proud uh, to where it's going, but we we would definitely like to keep building on with our sponsors to see other ways that we can um, get kids just into a better situation, whether that be playing or not playing. I mean, we also do during the off season, we do more of our service thing. So it's always like, you know, we say play with soul, play with soul, but also serve with soul. So like we partner with a, um, a local organization doing great work with kids that are, um, that are in foster care and aging out of foster care. So we had a big holiday thing and we tied in Minnesota United and we tied in some other sponsors and we were able to put together a nice um, soul food dinner for them, for the kids. And um, we were able to, one of our other sponsors, um, Bell Bank, we were able to, have the kids go to the Gophers um, men's basketball game and talk to the head coach. And it was just a lot of, a lot of experiences that, you know, as a kid, you, you remember experiences and, and we want to create those experiences for these kids. Um, and, and, and like I said, this is all done through, through futsal in my experience and the help of, you know, my partners and, 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 and the sponsors and, and everybody. So we, we think we got something really, really unique going up here. And uh, we just, we just want to keep it going. Nah, I think y'all cracked the code for real. Like you like people talk about like how can we get more inner city kids playing soccer, you know, with the pay to play barriers and stuff like that. I think like the model that you guys have set up is exactly the way that we can do that. You know, you just have to put in the work and, and the effort and, and create the engagement. You know what I'm saying? But I think you guys definitely cracked the code there and I'm a definitely be using that model you know what i mean like yeah, no no yeah hit me up man i'm, I'm I, I agree with you 100 percent. It, it's a ton of work because it's new and, and and we're all when we do we've done pay to play a certain kind of way ever since i was playing and both i'm sure before i was playing and that's what we think it is it's, let's just keep doing the same thing but when you look mm -hmm. around it's just we're not we're, we're missing too many kids you might still scholarship the kid at a traditional soccer club but that's only one kid who you deem is the best what about the late bloomers? What about the kids who just want to be lifetime lovers of the game? They don't get to play. So if we yeah. can have these companies and, and people who are community people invest in the people and say, hey, you know, that's the gateway. Maybe you'll go on to be a referee. Maybe they'll create content like you. It, that's all stuff that is, we, we need more of that and less kids going to jail and, you know, drugs and things like that. So it, it's a, it's a, it's a big concept, but I do think on the playing side, for sure, you know, accessibility is still a major issue that I don't think we're doing enough about in this country to, to get kids from the inner city. I mean, it's talent in the inner city. That, and, and we know you got kids coming from backgrounds where it's like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. So, you know, that alone, it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna see some kids who really want to get after it. But like, again, 5,000, $10,000, $300 uniform. You want to cycle the uniform every two years. 
I've been that kid. My mom was like, can't do it. Right. Yeah, no. Like, like you you touch it, you hit it right on the nose, man. Like this and I and I definitely see that there's gonna be a way for us to really create change. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's marching toward twenty twenty six. Yeah. And the World Cup. But I feel like we start cracking that now. Like and then compound that with twenty twenty six. Like the kid the kid is exposed to the game. Twenty twenty six comes and it's like, all right, I see on the world stage what it could mm-hmm. be like. And then that's where the that's where the love really takes hold and like you never know what, what can come out of that. You know exactly. You know? Exactly. And I think these kids that you're speaking of, you know, they're probably right now, uh, you know, these are the six to 12 year old kids that I'm talking about and yeah. that are in the inner city. Now, these kids, that's the ones we, we want to get. But when they when they World Cup is in your country, that's that's me all over again from 86, except for that was in Mexico. And I was the only one. Now you're talking about, you know, you got the town. It's so many. It's so much going on now. It's so it's so they can touch it all. So. I think uh, I think it's a it's the model that you know as long as you can get the the corporations to buy in or whoever you know because it does take money to do anything. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that you know people shouldn't have skin in the game or everything should be free because things mm-hmm. cost. But you know our sponsors have been so great. Our kit sponsor Stimulus, which is a a, a local brand, they they make kits for a lot of youth teams and also for a couple of national teams, and they also do our USL two team. They've been great. You know, the one year um, they, they donated all the kids, you know, and that, and the kids feel like a part of something, not just, and this is, it's fine if you get a t-shirt from a program, because that's fine. At least you got something, but I'm saying in our program, you get the full kit. I'm talking about this, this, the shiny, you know what I'm talking about? Like the shiny, the shiny, the shirt, the shorts, the socks. And then, and then, and then uh, just to top that off, one of our other sponsors, uh, he, he, you know, uh, he provides free meals for the kids. So we trying to hit a lot of different things, you know, cause we, we, we found out it's a lot of kids not eating meals. I, you know, yeah. I, I had been, you know, caught up in my own reality. And, and then someone told me, you know, such and such came and they hadn't eaten. And I'm like, what? So I say, man, we gotta, we gotta do something about this. So, you know, usually when you want to do good, people want to help. And I think, I think that's the spirit of the model. And I think anybody who don't want to help, that's somebody we don't even want to be around. So most people want to help. We got amazing volunteers. Um, everybody's been great, man. Um, so, you know, I would I would say, you know, definitely, you know, reach out to me if you got any questions. We love for anybody to come and check us out. You know, we're, we're starting to back up July eighth, I believe, is the date um, in St. Paul on those courts. L where, where you came, mm-hmm. and we're gonna get after. We got clearly more demand this year, so we're gonna try to. Um, you know, we're going to expand the number of teams and just try to make it a great experience for everybody. So, so I, I, again, accessibility is too many barriers in the game, the world game that it shouldn't be. This is not hockey. And I'm from a hockey state where a, a stick is two, $300. You got all these pads. You don't need much to play this game. You, you really don't even, it's people playing this game without shoes, making goals out of whatever. So we got to get out of this country club mentality that that's the only way the game can exist. Nothing wrong with those. Those kids can play too, but it can't be just those kids. Straight up, straight up. And um, so what's next? What's on the roadmap for TC Soul and Soul of the Cities? Man, that's a great question. So I got some things that I'm working on. Um, Last year at the conclusion of Soul of the Cities, we were fortunate enough to host a urban soccer diploma um, course here in in in, uh, in St. Paul. So we we partnered up with the uh, um, U.S. Soccer Foundation. I think MLS Works was a part of that as well. And and we we thought that was important too. Not only do we need kids playing, we need kid we need coaches from their community that they can relate to. That's a whole another thing because how coaches see you that can affect how they relate to you, how far you go in the pathway, on and on. So it's important that we. And again, I don't know if you know, but a coaching license, and I have a couple USSF badges, that once you start getting up the ladder, man, it, it becomes difficult for a lot of people. You leave your family, you got to pay thousands upon thousands of dollars. So we, I took the urban, um, the urban soccer diploma at the convention last year, and, and as I was doing it, I was like, this is something we need. So, so we want to keep, um, we're in the coaching education. That's, that's just as, as, as important. We want to keep that going. Um, we want to keep expanding. Um, we'd like to eventually be able to run. We Right now we run two courts in our league. We want to keep expanding and maybe we can run four. 
at some point. Um, we want to increase our sponsorship because the more resources we have, the more kids we can touch. And um, what else do we want to do? Huh, we want to, oh, another thing that we're interested in doing is um, in the same vein of we're talking, I'm, I'm working right now, I'm hopeful to, to get some funding um, and work with uh, U.S. Soccer um, Foundation um, on an inner city program that I'm, that I'm, that I want to pilot, um, for Minneapolis, because again, uh, I was doing the free clinics and then, and then the pandemic came, but I have some ideas around that. So my, my ultimate goal is to build a program in that area. that's just consistent and the kids can count on it. Yeah, I know it's going to start small. And then I want to, I sit on the board for a travel club that, that's all about, um, affordability and accessibility, they give me a lot of play with bringing in kids. So if we can get teams going and then bring them, eventually bring them into the, the league, you know, at low cost, now we can get these kids plugged into the system. So that's something else I'm working on, which I'm gonna start working on uh, after the league providing this funding comes through. So those are the things that's on the horizon, but, but you know, it's just more futsal, more accessibility, more community, building community, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, nah, man. The work you guys are doing is super, super important. I'm def I definitely admire it. Um, looking forward to continuing to, you know, just connect and build with you and plug in any way that we can. Um, whether I know this is a Town FC podcast, but you know, through Two Cents FC work that we do outside of that, we would love to continue to, you know, help tell those stories that you guys are, you know, you guys are doing. So, man, appreciate hats it. off, salute to you for sure man. for that. Appreciate you. Sure, and, and appreciate all the work y'all doing for for telling the stories because it's one thing to to do the work, but if it doesn't get out, then you know it, it you know you need the word to get out so we can reach more people and uh, people can you know do their own version of things that we may be doing because it's all really about the kids, you know that's how we look at it. Yeah, not straight up. All right, so let's jump into some some rapid fire questions, some off subject kind of sort of. Um, so first one is if you had to put together a five aside team of, you know, your favorite players or legends, who would be in your squad? Ooh, that's, a, that's a tough one. Five aside, it's going to sound biased, but I'm, I'll probably <laughs> go with, I'll probably, Ronaldinho, got to go with him. Okay. Um, I would go with, I'll go with Neymar. Um, I would probably, I have to throw Maradona on there. Um, Pele is the is the king. I will put him on there. I'm at four, and yep. then a goalkeeper. I will put I will put Rene Guita in there from Colombia. You know who that guy is? Yeah, I with know the long Jerry curl. Yeah, yeah. Rene Guita yeah. was Scorpion a beast. Kick. Yeah, yeah, man. I like people who play like that. <laughs> so I throw that five out there. Okay, you went all yeah. South American with it. Okay, yeah, man. Listen, listen. That's where the sauce. I'm about that sauce. I mean, okay. Europe. Europe got some. I mean, but but but. The way I like, I want to nah, see. That's where I, it is. I, yeah, yeah, I want to see it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right. So, um, you know, back when you were playing, but even now, like as a coach, you know, you got to get in the zone to play or to coach. Uh, what's on your pre-match playlist? Mm, man, listen, I'm such an old school dude. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in the '90s, man. I'm still, <laughs> I'm, I'm stuck in the '90s for the most hip hop. Um, so I'm playing. Uh, what am I playing? I'm playing. I'm still playing like East Coast, a lot of East Coast, Black Moon and stuff like that. Okay. Um, I, I'll play some, you know, some maybe some some old some some souls of mischief. You know, we talking as the Bay, um, that kind of stuff. But now my son is 15, so he kind of keeps me tapped in. So so he got me. He got me. You know, I like Drake, but he got me listening to a little bit of NBA Young Boy. That's his guy. So uh, young boy. Huh? Yeah, he, he got yeah. a Young Boy got a chokehold on this on this generation. Man, clearly. <laughs> I, I, Listen, they wait. He was waiting for the release drop and all this stuff. So, so uh, I've been I've been trying to be open minded and uh check out some of that. I can't listen to it all. They talking a little crazy on some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, but, for uh, sure. Yeah. So, so I would say um some of that man, something to get me, you know, get me in that zone. Yeah, dope, dope. All right, best food spots in the Minneapolis St. Paul area. Man, my kitchen where my wife cooking is the best <laughs> shout spot. Out to Sparkle. Yes, for sure. But but I would say uh I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out uh we have a we have a spot called Soul Bowl, which is um which is uh black owned uh soul food soul food spot with a twist. So okay. I would say uh it's it's kinda dope. So they they um they name a lot of the dishes after like um I think they had one called uh Big Big Crit. 
you know, they name them after like hip hop artists and stuff like yeah. that. But the food, the food is really good. So if, if you come to the Twin Cities, definitely check out Soul Bowl. Um, they doing they doing big things over there, and I think they might even be in the stadium now in, in the in the Allianz where the United play uh, or one mm. of the state one of the sport professional teams. So I would say that's that's one of the one of the one of the spots that I would definitely say uh, hit up when you come through. Okay, for sure. And last one. Um, so where do you want to be personally and professionally in the next five years? Five years, yeah. So in the next five years, what I would like to do is, is be doing what I love, which is what I'm doing now. I just would like to expand. Um, I, I think um, I wouldn't mind actually, you know, I've been thinking a lot about being a talent ID guy because, you know, I'm, I'm around that a lot. And I often disagree with a lot of these these talent ID people and what they think talent is. So if there's any MLS clubs out there that want to think outside the box or USL and get a guy who's really tapped in to all different communities, played it, can spot it, that's I would definitely do that. But 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 Soul of the Cities in TC Soul would still be going. I want to get younger coaches in. I'm still out there doing it, but you know, 46 man and knees, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 give or take. You know, some days yeah. they're good, some days they're not. So I want to, um, you know, um, as my son, he, he's a player too. He's getting older. So he, he comes and coaches in the summer when he's not playing. So I just want to keep it going. More access, more kids, more community, same thing. More, you know, more resources for sure. Nice, nice. And like I, like I said, again, like the work you guys are doing is so important. And any way that we can support, be of help, like you know how to find me, you know how to hit me. So definitely tap in with me. But Mario, pleasure pleasure having you on finally got a chance to sit down and chat with you i know it's been a minute um thank you so much for taking the time out to kick it with us and you got anything else you want to plug you know social media handles all that yeah yeah man social social media um i want everybody to check out you can check out our um the league that i'm talking about our soul of the cities league is the, the website is play with soul and soul is spell sol.com so that's playwithsoul.com. You can learn more about the league. And then on socials, you can find us at Soul of the City, still S-O-L, or at TC Soul Futsal. That's one word. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, IG. Um, and, and just tap in with us. It's a big community. We're all about collaborations, um, you know, and, and new ideas. And, and like I said, again, you know, shout out to UL for, for you know, Everything that you're doing is gonna. You probably touching so many people that you don't know because when I was a young player, this this wasn't available. Just what you're bringing into people, you know, just the culture and and people to say I belong in this game. This game, we have our own flavor of this game, and uh, it's good to see you doing it, man. So so just keep up the good work, and, and hopefully, you know, we can collaborate on something soon and, and and keep these kids playing. That's our show for this week. Subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. Follow us on the socials at the town underscore FC. Stay up to date on important news around the club by signing up for our Town Chronicles newsletter at thetownfc.com. And as always, tweet us your comments on the show and let us know what you thought. Peace.